0: Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, good morning. Good to see your smiling faces this morning. Thank you for being here with us today. I had an awesome uh, experience this last year. Um, as Drew mentioned earlier, uh, we got to go to the Holy Land and with some of the central family and kind of see where Jesus walked and lived, and that was amazing. And one of the places that we went was a place called the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Okay, so Church sepulcher means tomb or grave, And so this is the church historically built on the site where Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected. Now, other people will debate. There are other sites where it could possibly happen. I don't know. But since the fourth century, they built a church over this historic kind of site. Since the fourth century, Christians have gone to this site from all over the world, and this is considered to be the most sacred Christian location, right, Christian site, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So we're standing in front of it, and I'm like, wow, Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And our guide, who's this awesome Jewish individual who's a follower of Jesus, he goes, yeah, he goes, it's interesting, he goes, you know, their priests and monks live back in the church, like overnight, but Muslims have to come and lock and unlock the door every day because they can't get along enough to to navigate it. I'm like, what? This is Christianity's most holy site. And he goes, yeah, yeah, he goes, in fact, there have been times where the monks have had, like, full-on brawls, and they've all, like, you know, like, the police have been called in, and all that, I'm like, no. So I start doing a little research, and sure enough, first of all, there's, like, all these different Christian denominations that, like, share the operation of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So there's priests that live in there, there's Roman Catholic, Greek Orthodox, Armenian Apostolic, and to a lesser degree, there's Coptic, Syriac, and Ethiopian Orthodox priests. That all, they all have to kind of get along. They all come from different countries. They share the same faith, but they got some different backgrounds, right? So the stories are kind of crazy. Like at one point, a priest did some uh, sunbathing in this like disputed area, and the other priest didn't like it from a different denomination. And so they basically beat him severely with iron bars. And then other priests jumped in and they were like, you don't put the smack down on my guy with this, like a football brawl, you know, like somebody. And so in the end, 11 of them had to be hospitalized when it was all said and done. Another time, um, there was uh, this whole deal where a priest asked another priest if he would shut one of the doors in the church from a different kind of tribe, you know. And that priest was like, "Um, no, I won't do it. And so they started scrapping and then other priests started jumping in and it got so intense, they had to call in the Israeli police. They call in the Israeli police and then the priests turn on the police and start putting the smack down on them. Now, can you imagine you're an Israeli police officer and there's this priest in the most holy side of Christianity and you're thinking, I'm gonna have to put this priest down, man. This is not gonna be a good look, you know? Christianity's most holy sight. Now, on the one hand, and to be fair, they've, for the most part, gotten along fine over centuries and centuries and centuries, but we do have our moments of gang fights. <laughs> but we shouldn't be too surprised because this is human nature, right? Like, it, forget religion and the church. Just, you just try to get people to pull together on the same rope from different backgrounds and different perspectives And over time, the potential for sin and selfishness to divide us is huge, right? It's huge. And we all face it, and churches have faced it for thousands of years. I mean, churches have divided over some of the most petty things, you know. They've divided over the style of music, over whether you should you can have guitars and drums in church or not. They've divided over, uh, you know, how long guys can have their hair, or whether you're a beard church or a non-beard church. They've divided over tattoos, and they've divided over what kind of movie you can go to, what's the limit. They've divided over whether you can go to Disneyland or not. Like they've divided over which English translation of the Bible you're going to use. And at some point you just look around and I don't know if you feel this, but I just get kind of embarrassed. I'm like, can we all stop fighting each other for a minute? Because I'm like, we can either fight with each other or we can fight for each other. And we need more people fighting for one another. In fact, Jesus, in his final prayer in John 17, when he's pouring his heart out to God, look at what he says. John chapter 17, verse 20. Help me out when we get to the red word. Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be what? One. Now, this is Jesus right before his arrest and crucifixion. He's praying. What's his prayer? That my people will be one, right? Amazing, amazing. Just as, you are one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So Jesus' prayer is not that we go UFC smackdown on one another. His prayer is that we work hard to be united. And I think his assumption is that if we believe in him and trust him, even though we may come from different backgrounds and have many disagreements, that belief in him is enough to unite us no matter what may divide us. So I got two simple thoughts for you today in how we can be a people that answers Jesus' prayer, how we can be a people that remain united. And uh, the first is this, to dial up the mission and then to dial down the drama. First, to dial up the mission. Like we as a church, have a mission from God. And if we will go after that mission, that is what can unite us despite all the things that may try to pull us apart. As an example, I um, read, years ago, I, I read about this amazing place uh, called the Museum of Life-Saving in the Nantucket, Uh, island area. It's Nantucket's right off of kind of Rhode Island, uh, out in the Atlantic Ocean, and basically ships coming in before the Coast Guard and all of that would get caught up in the rocks and they would find themselves in trouble and and a flare would go up and these ships would would go down. Many people would drown. And so these volunteers on Nantucket Island said, we're going to do something about this. So they set up little huts of refuge along the coast and they said, we're going to scout the coast. We're going to man these huts as volunteers. They had the rescue gear in those huts. When a flare goes up, they would go out into the ocean in the Atlantic, day or night, they would rescue people and bring them back. Crazy. They had a motto when they were recruiting people to be part of the life-saving team, and the motto was this, you have to go out, you don't have to come back. I mean, that's, that's old school right there. We're not gonna sugarcoat it, man. It's not like this is gonna make you happy and this is gonna fulfill your life and if you do this, everything's gonna, it's like, no, no, you gotta go out and you might die. But you gotta go out. And they did this for total strangers because they valued human life. And so this museum is set up in memory of this life-saving society. What's fascinating is over time, Um, the Coast Guard came in and they shared life-saving responsibilities. And then the Coast Guard fully took over the life-saving responsibilities. But the life-saving society never disbanded. It still exists today. And they get together and they have potlucks and they have fellowship and they hang out with one another and they're a little community and they do some financial things for people. They do some good things. But listen, they're just not in the life-saving business anymore. They're just not in the life-saving business anymore. They still meet they just no longer save lives. And as I thought about it, it can happen not only to a group like that, it can happen to an organization, it can happen to a church. Where there was a season in that church where people were all about the mission of the church to help people come to know God, to help people experience his love, to help people experience his forgiveness and grace in their lives. And they would scan the horizon looking for people who may be hurting, looking for people who may have needs, looking for people who who, who may need uh, help. And they would put themselves at risk to go help those individuals, to, to make a difference in their life. They would give financially for them. They would sacrifice their time, they would sacrifice their energy for the sake of total strangers so that they might come to know the love and grace of God. They were a church on mission. But then over time, eventually they started to look inward. They stopped looking outward so much. They stopped scanning the horizon looking for people who were hurting or who were in need. And they just started kind of getting consumed with their own needs and their own issues. And over time they began to drift. Now those churches still meet they still have fellowship, they still have potlucks, they still give money to certain causes, they're just not in the life-saving business anymore. And I wanna tell you Central, we are a church that is committed to remaining in the life-saving business. That's what we're about. That's who we're called to be. And why this is so important is this. When you remain on mission, on the mission that Jesus has left us with, when we're about introducing people to him and helping them follow him, that unifies us in a world where so many things divide us. But when a church looks inward, listen, it starts to fight with each other. When a church looks down and in, then you start arguing about the color of the carpet. You start arguing about this thing and that thing. You start, this person offended me and this person hurt my feelings. And, you know, you start looking down and in and the drama starts cranking up. But you start looking up and out and the drama gets turned down because we're about the mission. And so we gotta be a church that keeps looking up and out. Look at what Jesus prays. This is so good. Look at what Jesus prays, John chapter 17. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, check it out, such perfect unity that the what? That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Jesus says, this is his final prayer before he dies. I mean, listen, this is not a casual prayer. God, thanks for this day. Bless me, bless my friends, you're awesome. May the Raiders win. So this is not like a casual thing. This is Jesus right before he knows he's going to die. What does he pray? What is on his heart at the final moments before his arrest, crucifixion, and all of that? God, unify my people. God, may they have perfect unity. Why? Not just so that we can have perfect unity, but because the world is watching. Did you see that? He says, may they have perfect unity so that the world will look at the church, and when they see how the church loves, they'll say, wow, God must love me just based on how the church loves me and others around them. Wow, that's Jesus' prayer. I'm not sure we've done a great job answering his prayer at all times over the last 2,000 years. But the important thing for us today is to say, how can we be the kind of church community that is an answer to that prayer? And how can we try to live that out in our lives? Here's a couple quick thoughts from a strategy standpoint that we want to engage in in our lives that help us dial up, the mission. We have four simple things that we want to encourage everybody who's a part of Central to lean into in their life. And the first is simply attend the weekend. And the reason that's important is if we're going to stay on mission as a church, well you got to be around, right? And have you noticed like if you're just not around for a while, you drift, right? You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening. You know, so we just we keep we keep gathering. We keep coming together, uh, not only because the Bible commands us to do that. That's a part of what we're supposed to do, but also because uh, it keeps us dialed into the mission. Here's the second thing: invite a friend. If you've never sat in church um, with a friend next to you who isn't necessarily religious, you should have that experience because it's very interesting because all of a sudden when a friend's next to you you're like please Judd don't say anything weird just you know don't get too weird out there man like you know like and the whole time like the music's great but you're like come on man don't weird them out you know like just just keep it cool keep it cool keep it cool calm but that's an experience we all need to keep having because we are a church that is here not just for us but for those who are not yet here right we invite a friend here's a second here's a third thought and that is to take a next step spiritually and everybody's going to be different here your next step in your life what god may be leading you to do is to forgive somebody in your life. God may be leading you to pray for somebody. God may be leading you to do an act of service for your neighbor or a friend. Uh, God may be leading you to reach out to a family member or a friend and and, and reconcile after a lot of years. Or it could be a, a ministry thing like serving in a certain ministry, or you feel called to, you know, jump in and, and be a part of something at the church. You celebrate recovery, dealing with an issue in your life, or or you know, just be, joining a team, being a, a, you know, somebody who's giving back and serving, like, like, I don't know what your next step is, but if we as individuals keep taking next steps, then we'll be growing as individuals, and if we're growing as individuals, collectively, we'll be growing deeper as a church. So we encourage everybody, attend the weekend every week, invite a friend uh, as often as you can, take next steps in your spiritual journey, and then the fourth area is to give generously. And the simple truth is, like, from myself and all of us, as we love and own our church, as we're part of our church community, we want to contribute a portion of our financial resources so that collectively the church can reach its potential and do the most good in the community. We want the church to be funded, to have what it needs to do the ministry that God has called the church to do. And so we all join together, myself included, and we sacrifice and we give and we're a part of that. Generosity rock stars or whatever, like we do what we can do to help others. And some of you, you're in a place where with your career and your work hours and all the things coming at you, like like your greatest contribution for some of you to the kingdom of God and to the work of the church over the years will be financial because for some of you that's all you have time for (laughs) you know you got too much other stuff coming at you and if so that's amazing that's what God's called you to do for others of us it won't be financial it'll be other things but I think when you invest in something all of a sudden you care about it at a different level you know what I'm talking about I mean you invest in a stock and all of a sudden you're like hey man how's that stock doing right (laughs) you know like, like yeah man I got I'm invested you know when you start contributing to a church, you start caring a little more like, how, how are we handling that? Are we taking care of business? Are we doing things right? Are we helping other people? Are we, why, because now I'm vested. So if everybody at Central, at any level, will do these four things in their life, I wanna suggest to you what it will mean collectively is that we stay on mission. We stay engaged with the mission. We're dialed in together with the mission, and that actually brings us together and unifies us. Look. As you get older, there will come a time where you start to age out of some of the programming elements of the church. There'll come a time, I had a friend who was here in 1962 who helped launch Central, and before he passed away a few years ago, he was still attending every weekend, and he would tell me, he's in his 80s, he'd tell me, Judd, I hate the music. I mean, just like not his lane, right? Not his deal. But he says, as long as I see young people around me worshiping, and as long as I see people getting baptized, I'm in. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm in for the mission, right? I'm in for the mission. You don't want to be in a church where you look around and everybody is your age, right? Which means if you're in a diverse church, age-wise, racially, financially, that there should be some things happening that make you a little uncomfortable. That's okay, because it's not just all about us. It's about the mission, and is the mission being fulfilled? All right, here's another thought, and that is to be the church Jesus prayed for, dial down the drama. Dial Not only dial up the mission, dial down the drama. Um, We've we've had some drama. I remember uh, over 10 years ago now, Uh, we had some drama happen in the church that became national news. This guy, 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, nobody's here, but he decides, I'm gonna drive my Kia through the front door, the glass doors of the Henderson location, which if you're ever walking in these doors over here at Henderson and there's these big metal, these concrete pillars, yeah, you can't do that anymore. (laughs) Although drive-through weddings were an option there for a while. He drove through the glass doors, does demolition derby around the lobby, goes all the way around the hallways, comes all the way down this hallway, goes through fire doors, we have all this on video, comes down the back hallway and then gets stuck because the hallway gets smaller, which it's kind of funny, actually, you know, like, At least now I can look back and laugh. So, you know, he's trying to go forward. He's trying to go back. He's trying to go forward. He's stuck in the hall, but the dude brought rocks with him. So he climbs out the window with the rocks in his hands and starts bashing stuff, sheetrock, glass, everything he can. Please police show up. They have to tase him multiple times to get him out and to be able to take him in. And so all this happens, 5 a.m., the national media the local media picked it up, but the national media picked this picked it up, and of course, the media tried to dial up the drama. The media is like, "Well, if the pastors would have met with this guy, or if the church would have helped him, you know, I mean, can you really? It was the, it was this slide. I mean, I'm just telling you, I watched it, and I'm like beyond offended. But I watched it, and it's like, if they would have just been the church, you know, it's just a, like like it's our fault. This dude drove his car through the church." Anyway, I'm not bitter, it's been over a decade. (laughs) Maybe I'm still working through it, okay? Will you be in therapy with me right now on the weekend? Yeah. Um, So here's what was so impressive about all that. You know, that that became kind of the storyline leaked out a couple of days before we got to the weekend what I could explain to the church family what actually happened, right? And what was so impressive is that happened at five o'clock in the morning, and by noon that day, there were hundreds of volunteers at our Henderson location doing cleanup, pickup, pick up, like jumping in, busy. They're guys that own construction crews telling their guys, don't come to work, I'll pay you, go to the church today. And so they just showed up and within 48 hours, by the time we got to our weekend experience, except for like some boarded up glass areas where your glass was on order, other than that, you'd walk around the church and not even know anything happened. Like they just pulled together, got everything done and they didn't even know the story. And if they just listened to the media's account of it, they would think like, what did we do, right? But what I love about our church is they heard that, and they thought that doesn't sound like us it doesn't sound like our pastors it doesn't sound like our staff i 'm not going to get on the phone and gossip i 'm not going to spread i'm just going to let 's jump in and serve and let 's go and we'll, we 'll figure it out they 'll tell us we 'll get it all worked out. We got to the weekend, I told everybody the whole story, told them about how we tried to help this guy, how you know we offered to pray with him, walk with him, we were there for him, and how he had you know been in a long According to his family, like process of a mental breakdown. His family loved the church. His wife, I met with his wife after it happened. I mean, I got her like, brought her like a gift basket. We prayed over her. I tried to bless her and her kids. She was so mortified that this happened because she loves the church. And she's like, I just, you know, she had no words. And she goes, I don't even feel like I can come to church. And I was like, absolutely. You are welcome here. You can come to church. I'm not sure about your husband. We're going to talk about that. But you you're welcome. (laughs) And then the central family heard this story and we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of what we thought even without hearing it. Right. That's the way we dial down the drama is we say, look, there's going to be gossip. There's going to be things flying around about other people or other things, but we're going to wait to get the full story before we rush to judgment, right? John chapter 17, Jesus gives us his heart for all of us remaining unified. He says, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be what? With me, to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you've loved me before, even before the world began. So Jesus' heart, the whole point for Jesus is that he can bring people with him, that people go to heaven, that people experience his love and are with him. And that's our mission as well. That's why we strive to stay unified. And so let me share with you some really simple, practical things that we can do to dial down the drama. Any of you got drama in your home? Okay. You got drama in your family, drama at work? Anybody met somebody who's addicted to drama? Come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, these people, they come to the, they find their way in the church. I'm telling you, man, there are people that are addicted to drama. I I did listen to some podcasts and did some study on this. Um, When you go through trauma real trauma in your life the body actually like releases endorphins and those endorphins help you get through that trauma and it actually helps you deal with that pain it kind of deadens it a little bit but the interesting thing and studies kind of suggest that like there are some people that get addicted to that experience and rather than deal with the trauma or the issues in their life that they've gone through they start creating drama everywhere else. It cranks up the endorphins, it helps them not feel the pain, and so they create drama, they make drama, they catastrophize everything, right? And then we're all caught in the drama loop that they're trying to navigate, fascinating. But there's some things we can do to turn down the drama in our lives, in our families, and in our church. So the first thing I would suggest if you wanna turn down the drama is to start believing the best about people until you're proven otherwise. You know, start, start with believing. give them the benefit of the doubt until you have reason to say, okay, that was a mistake. But believe the best because what we often do is we believe the worst. You notice this? Like sometimes we, we just start assuming things about people and we assume the worst. You, you could be sitting in church and, 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 and somebody walks by you and you're like, they just blew me off, did you see that? They blew me off. I've actually had people, no lie. I had a guy once, he came up to me, he goes, man, I forgive you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what did I do? <laughs> well, you were out at a restaurant. You looked right at me. And then you didn't acknowledge me. And then you got up and you walked out right past me and you just blew me off, hurt me, man. I was angry with you for years. I'm just going to tell you right now, just, just square it up. Okay. little side note. I would never do that intentionally to a member of our church family. Never, man. All you got to do is grab me and go, Hey, I go to central. I'll be like, hey, I'll give you a hug, man. I may pull up a chair. You may not want to do this, but I, <laughs> Hey, what's up? We on a date. What's going on? When'd you meet? You getting married? Anyway, I would never do that. But but this is a guy who assumed the worst about something I didn't even know about, right? Like, we gotta believe the best about one another. We gotta give each other the benefit of the doubt. Like, if somebody walks past you, just assume they didn't see you or they're consumed in their own problems or it's not personal, right? Like, assume the best about one another. If the church misses something, if you call the church, we work really hard to answer the phone, to be available, to be. but sometimes things happen. Just believe the best. Realize we're, we're managing thousands of calls a month and we're trying to do our best with it right and call again and man if that happens again you better grab me or one of us and go hey dude fix this which does happen and we do try to fix it you see what I'm saying but like we believe the best for one another that's how we stay unified as a church here's another thought and that is to watch your words watch your words how we talk about one another is really important and it's so easy to gossip you know what I heard about so-and-so Mm, marriage isn't looking so good. Can you, could you tell by the way they walked into church? Could you see it when you looked at them? Um, people, people say all kinds of stuff gossip, throw stuff around, perspectives. And, you know, some of it is, most of it is miscommunication and misinformation, right? We've got to watch our words. Look at what James says James chapter 4, verse 11. Yeah, this, is, this is good. Don't badmouth each other, friends. Let me just stop right there. Just don't badmouth each other. Right there. It's God's word, His message, His royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. Wow. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle? In the destiny of others. Dang. You know what we call it? Some mic drop. We're done. We can all go home now. I'll pray us out, okay? James is like when you gossip about somebody else, when you start sharing hearsay about somebody else, you're not just messing with them, you're messing with God. And who are you to meddle in the affairs of God in that way? Who are you to write graffiti over God's message? Wow. I've been guilty of that. But I will say, one of the most amazing moments I had this last year was listening to my my 22-year-old daughter talk on a podcast about her faith. And one of the things she said, which I was kind of shocked, but also, like, was terrifying. She said, um... She said, growing up in our house, I listened to my parents talk a lot, like around in the kitchen. They didn't know I was there. (laughs) And I mean, you're listening to this on a podcast. You're like, oh, this could go sideways fast. Come on, (laughs) y'all. This is what she said. I couldn't believe it. She said, I can't remember a single time I heard my parents badmouth somebody in the kitchen. Now she wasn't listening close enough, because <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes in this area. Not perfect, right? But I will tell you, like, not only did it kind of tear it up, and thank God <laughs> for selective hearing on her part, um, but it was also a warning to me to remember, like. People are listening. Your kids are listening. Family members are listening. Your coworkers are watching. People are around you like, watch your words, because other people take note of that. And what my daughter actually said in that podcast is she said, one of the reasons I love the church and one of the reasons I love what the church does is because I saw how my parents loved the church and how they loved the people of the church, she said it gave me a heart for it so watch your words here's a third area and that's that's to just set strong boundaries set strong boundaries in your life and what I mean is like like if you participate in gossip and ripping people down and criticism and you kind of love that stuff you're gonna find that more and more of that stuff flows your direction you'll become a repository for the junk. But if you start setting a boundary, if you say to your friends like, you know, I don't think it's appropriate to talk about that. And they keep going, you kind of say, you know what? I'm I'm excuse myself for a minute. Like you just you just don't participate, right? Or if you find yourself in a situation where somebody's talking about somebody else and you kind of say like, and I've done this. You're like, "Well, let's just call them Maybe we should just call them, and we'll get them on the phone, and we can all talk. They never want to do that. So, oh, no, 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 no. I've done that with staff, too. They're like, so-and-so did this, and so, okay, great. Well, let's just call them down here right now. We'll have them just sit down, and let's just work it out. And funny, like, no people aren't interested in that. (laughs) But I will tell you, you start putting boundaries up, and that stuff stops flowing your direction. I said to somebody this past year or two, I remember I was sitting there, and I was like, man, we don't, we don't. I don't, we don't have any gossip in our church. I don't, there's nothing, man. People are just happy, fired, love, fired up, love God. And this person just laughed at me. They're like, (laughs) you believe that? I said, yeah, I believe it. And they said, Judge, you just don't hear it because it doesn't flow to you anymore. And I'm like, well, praise God, because I don't want to hear it if it's not verified and it's just gossip. Y'all talk about it all day long. I'm too old for that stuff get the mission done, and then I'm gonna die. I don't wanna sit around and talk about all this stuff that may or may not be true. Anyway, don't have time for that. We have a statement around here at Central that um, it comes out of Christian history and tradition, but it's been important for us, and it, and it goes like this. In essentials, unity. In opinions, liberty. In all things, love. So... In essentials, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He came, He lived, He died, He rose again. The core foundational beliefs of Christianity, the core beliefs you see in the book of Acts, like, like in essentials, we have unity. We're Christians, we're people of faith. We can unify around those things. In opinions, and there are a lot of them liberty. We could disagree, we can argue, we can not always see things eye to eye, but in the end, in all things, love and it is Jesus who is bigger than our differences. Jesus is what makes the church unique. In the culture, those differences just divide you, but in the church, it's, you don't get off that easy. I mean, when you look at the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it speaks of a great multitude standing before God of every tribe and every nation, every people, and every language. Heaven is going to be filled with people from every background, tribe, country, and race. And this is the vision the Bible gives us of heaven, right? So you're going to be in heaven with these people anyway for eternity, So you and I, maybe we should figure out how to love each other now and bring a little heaven to earth, right? So the church is better when it's every race, every background, every nationality, every age, every tongue, every tribe. It's better, even though sometimes that makes it harder. Sometimes people get offended. Sometimes people legitimately get their feelings hurt for real reasons that other people don't always understand or realize that they did it, right? It makes it harder to be together, but if we want to look like heaven, that's what the church should look like today. It's worth the struggle. Think about it. At the foot of the cross, we are all equal. At the foot of the cross, you have every background, every race, and they're all beautiful. You have God's beautiful creation. You have the powerful and the powerless. You have graduates and you have dropouts. You have the tattooed and the untattooed. You have people that dress up and you have people that haven't worn anything but sweatpants since before COVID. Right? Then are like, this is going to be my life now. Look, you got introverts and extroverts. you got the well-known and you've got the overlooked. You've got the accomplished and you've got those who are barely getting by. You've got the wealthy and the poor, the charismatic and the awkward. You've got the bold and the timid, the savers and the spenders. You've got the young and the old, the rich and the poor. You've got Knights and Raiders fans and yes, even Cowboys fans. All of us come together at the foot of the cross, right? And at the foot of the cross, we're equal. We're all sinners. We're all saved by his grace. We're all beautiful. We're all his creation. And at the foot of the cross, we learn to push through our differences, even though they may be real. And we say, you know what? What Jesus did for me is more important than what you and I disagree with. What Jesus did for us can bring us together, even though we struggle over here. And that's the unity that Jesus prayed for. So church, I just say, let's, let's not fight each other. Let's fight for each other. <laughs> dial up the mission, dial down the drama, and together let's answer Jesus' amazing prayer. Why? Because the world is watching. And Jesus says, our unity is a picture to the world that God loves them. So we pull together and we move forward in unity. And maybe you're here today, maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. I'd love to give you an idea, I'd love to give you an opportunity to come to know Jesus in your life, to surrender to him. I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer to just ask him to move and work in your life. So I wanna ask all of you to please bow your heads and close your eyes. If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by just repeating after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye, closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hands in the air. Just make eye contact with me just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him and follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Let's reach out to to him today. God bless you. Thank you guys. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we thank you for just each person reaching out to you today. I thank you for their faith, for their love. And uh, I pray you will move and work in each of their lives. Fill them with hope and joy and peace as they follow you. God, thank you for the amazing thing that the church community is, that we all get to be a part of. And God, help us continue to pull together to accomplish your mission with great faithfulness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.